This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, let's get going on our Topics Worthy of Discussion panel. Topics Worthy of Discussion brought to you by Pizzaville, pound 3636. And joining us, as she does every Friday, the Reverend Dr. Sherry DeNovo, Minister at Trinity St. Paul Center for Faith, Justice, and the Arts. And you might know her as a former NDP MPP for Parkdale High Park. Hello, Sherry. Always a pleasure, John. Nice to have you on board. John Capobianco, Senior VP, Senior Partner, National Practice Lead for Public Affairs in Fleischman Hilliard's Toronto office. All kinds of experience at the grassroots level in all levels of government. How's John doing? I'm doing great, John. Good to be here. Good to have you here. And Michael Giles, likewise, serving in government at all capacities for 30-plus years. And Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing very good. Thank you. Good. Well, all of you have experience in government, so maybe you can uh, riddle me this. Is there any merit to this proposal put together by Councillor Mike Layton here, a motion to be discussed next week, calling on the city to, quote, evaluate and change its purchasing practices unless General Motors maintains production in Oshawa and at its other Canadian facilities. In other words, he's looking at the fleet. There's about 5,500 vehicles in Toronto, of which I think 372 have been identified as being produced by GM. But if it's got three as the uh, prefix in its vehicle identification number, made in Mexico, therefore it would be verboten under the procurement plan. Sherry, does this have any uh, merit, or do you think it's just virtue signaling? Uh, I think it does have merit. It's symbolic merit, you know, but I think it does have merit. It gives some support to the, those poor workers. <laughs> and that's more than symbolic. Uh, they need all the support they can get. Um, well, how is and it more I think, than symbolic, And, and I, Well, it, you know, there's still over 300 cars, uh, you know, and if this catches on, if other municipalities do this across Ontario and perhaps even Canada, um, that could have a serious uh, detrimental effect, both in terms of public relations and everything else on GM. I, GM's clearly concerned already about the strike action uh, so I think every little bit helps and uh, will it, so will it deter say. it? Will it change the plan of, a, a, of what GM's going to do? No. Uh, but you know it's, it's a gesture and it's a symbolic gesture and it's a good one. Alright well there you go yeah. but uh, I'm just wondering if the community councils in say St. Catharines or Ingersoll uh, would want to follow suit or might they be a little timid around trying to tweak the noses of General Motors? John how do you see it? Well I think this is the constant problem which is it's not going to change GM GM's decision. And again, I think the union and, and Jerry and, and the work that he's been doing, you know, certainly he's catering to the unions and, and doing what he can for the workers. And, and I applaud him for that from that perspective. But at the end of the day, his call for, you know, people boycotting GM and if that didn't work, which it didn't, obviously, and then now they're, they're trying to get the municipalities and cities to try to, to do it through this. And, and obviously, Councillor Layton is trying to, through his motion, to, to at least limit the procurement of, of GM cars in the city of Toronto. But what I worry about is the, is the ramifications and the trickle down of effect that has it for people who actually supply some of these equipments to cars that are even being made abroad. And, and I think that's the issue that we have to worry about. Now, I think from a symbolic perspective, it's not a lot of cars and it may not displace a lot of jobs, but um, at the end of the day, if they're trying to send a message to GM to say, stay here, it's not going to work. This kind of stuff doesn't work. All right. And uh, so, Michael Giles, I mean, yeah, it's not a significant number of cars, even though Sherry says symbolically uh, there's something of merit to this. I wonder if, you know, if you're going down this road, though, don't you have to be intellectually honest or consistent then uh, in all procurement, start vetting it through, you know, a certain filter, if you will. I mean, this time around, it's General Motors, but I mean, you can extend that to where are we getting our fuel for these vehicles? Where is that sourced entirely? Is that all ethical fossil fuel product? I don't think so. 
No, and and these things are generally, as a rule, they tend to be generally uh, demonstrative. You know, you're putting something out there to make a statement. Governments make statements all the time, so I don't necessarily take exception with this. I, you know, we have a policy, for example, the city of Toronto has a policy that you cannot, uh, in terms of procurement, no sweatshops. So you can't buy anything from sweatshops, uh, anything that could possibly be as a result of what they would call slave labor, you know, in the uh, third world or whatever it is. You can't purchase that. So I think that it's, it's, there's nothing... Uh, you know, per se, wrong in taking a position on this and making a statement. I mean, we're talking about obviously a very small number of vehicles. Uh, I think it's less, less than 10% right now. But governments do this all the time. You know, you see resolutions all the time in the United States, you know, Buy America, all that kind of stuff. This is what governments do. And I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with sending that message that, you know, this is, uh, we disapprove of what you're doing. And, you know, as I say, they do it all the time. Well, all right. If we want to extend it, though, and Sherry, I'll ask you, look, uh, We've had recent reports of uh, the Chinese government, I guess, via proxies, you know, uh, inserting themselves into some of our universities and colleges. Uh, You know as well that uh, they're also not fans of the Falun Gong movement. So what do we do? Do we say, hey, you know what, maybe we ought to boycott products coming out of China as well. Wouldn't that be at least consistent with this kind of thing? Well, actually, if... That you mentioned that um, when I was in uh, the provincial government, uh, we actually did call on not boycotting products from China. That would be virtually impossible to do. But that if we do do trade with China, that when we go, that we mention human rights. And I think that's a reasonable request. And in fact, the government acceded to that request. Uh, they did so with uh, something like 400 Tibetans on the on the front lawn that day. But they did. Um, they agreed. Yes, uh, you know, if we're going to do business with China, there should be some mention of human rights. And and I think that's, again, a reasonable request. Do they do that? I doubt it. Uh, but, uh, again, at least it's a signal that that's what they should do, right? Mm. All right. Well, it may seem like a hollow gesture, but there seems, uh, I guess, certain support for it. Uh, what do we call it? Just in terms of uh, it's a feel-good exercise, how practical it'll be, who knows. But then there is something else that uh, has been determined to be... Uh, Well, or they're calling for a ban, and this is something likewise the mayor supports, the ban on handguns and military assault rifles, the families and victims of this uh, horrific shooting on the Danforth back last summer uh, in a press conference earlier today. We're hoping people would sign a petition drawing attention to that. Uh, Banning handguns and assault rifles in the city of Toronto. I mean, they want to see it, I guess, ultimately across Canada. Bill Blair... The government point person on this is looking into that prospect, but the mayor certainly is much in favor of banning handguns, assault rifles, I guess, you know, that sort of uh, seems a, a natural, but the handgun thing, there were shooters, you know, with uh, clubs and so on and so forth. Michael Giles, how do you see this one? Does you think there will uh, find public favor? Well, I think there's public support for something. I'm, I'm not altogether sure that a handgun ban would be that effective, you know, in, in, in many cases, you know, obviously an assault a rifle, I mean, it just makes no sense. There is no reason for anyone to own an assault rifle. I mean, it is obviously designed to do one thing, and that's to kill as many people as possible. You, you know, you don't go target practicing, to my knowledge, with that. Uh, with respect to handguns, I think that, you know, the vast majority of handgun owners are are very responsible. I, I mean, I know some of them, and they're very responsible. When they go to gun ranges, you know, they do the paperwork they're supposed to do. They have, you know, they follow all the rules. 
Uh, the, our problem is with with illegal handguns. I think is the major problem we have in this country, and they're they're coming in. You know, I think it was about two or three months ago. There's a gentleman caught at the border with you know something like 200 handguns in his cars. That's where we I think we have to you know yeah, focus close our to attention. Close to 70. Close to 70. 70. He 70. had trafficked those and uh, had a girlfriend in London, Ontario, and he was a member of the military, I guess, yeah. stateside. But here's the thing: even when you talk about the legal handguns, this is the premise of this petition and the people behind it: the ban on private ownership of handguns and assault rifles because they say it's even the legally sourced ones that then get stolen and then they enter into the black market or whatever and nefarious figures pick them up and we know the damage that can ensue. Uh, in fact, I think that's how this individual, uh, Hassan, on the Danforth shooting came by this weapon. But So, Sherry, uh, even a ban on private handguns in the hands of responsible owners, would you support that? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I have to disagree with Michael on this. I, I don't see any good reason to have a, a, a handgun, unless you're in law enforcement, unless you've got a reason to have one. And uh, and I and again, um, for the reasons you just stated, because they can be stolen, because they do end up, up on the street, no matter how responsible the owner is, this can happen. Uh, and, and of course, they end up killing people even in the home when kids get a, a hold of them. And not only that, but I think here's the situation where the victims have asked for this. Uh, the mayor is in favor of it. Um, I think you've got support for it across the political spectrum at the city, and I think it's a good thing to do. Will it eliminate all handguns from the streets? Of course it won't, but it will help. And I think anything we can do to help and, of course, to honor the victims, we should do. Well, all right. Honoring the victims. Uh, now, you know, some may say handgun owners may uh, respond by saying this is an emotional decision right now. And let's be rational about it. If there are responsible gun owners, why then, uh, to Michael's point, uh, you know, uh, inconvenience them, if you will. But uh, one of the proponents today of this uh, petition said legal gun owners in Canada are part of the problem. You see it that way, John? I don't, and I, I tend to agree with Michael on this one, and, and it's only because I think, and we've had this discussion before, and I think it's an important one, obviously, and, and of course, whenever there's a shooting as tragic as it was on the Danforth and others, um, there's no doubt there's going to be an emotional discussion about guns and, and the natural reaction in the States, uh, where we see a lot more of this happening than here in Canada, is to have the debate about handguns and, and eliminating handguns, and I think, you know, the, 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 the victims obviously have every right to be able to sort of say that this is the case, but there are, it's a very strong situation with respect to people who have legal guns, who do abide by the rules and, and do everything that they're asked and beyond um, for the sake of keeping handguns for, for hunting or for whatever you know whatever uh, they wish to have it for. But I just say that there should be more resourcing and more policing from the perspective of allow the police to do their jobs to ensure that, that, that the, any illegal handguns that are there are taken away uh, from uh, from folks that, that will use it nefariously. But I don't think that you know, a wide ban- handgun is going to solve any of uh, this particular problem. And I also do believe that assault rifles and weapons, that kind of stuff, obviously are not for for anything other than nefarious reasons. And those should be banned, I would say, John. All right. So we'll see how this petition plays out. Uh, They just tabled it earlier today. Mayor supports it. And Sherry believes that uh, all political parties are in favor. Uh, As I say, it remains to be seen, but uh, we'll track that story and pick up on other topics worthy of discussion in just a moment on The Oakley Show as we continue with our panel, the Reverend Dr. Sherry DeNovo, John Capobianco, and Michael Giles on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. What I would like to see is a handgun ban. Things do need to change. No family should ever have to go through what my family and the Kosases do. This could be you. You don't want this to be you. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. 
Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 